Hey, welcome to How About We Do This Together, a podcast ministry of the Northwest Christian Network. I'm Troy Dean, and my co-host is Matt Holmes, oftentimes Daniel Malaputi, and with many other speakers. It's a podcast where we ask a question and answer it at the same time. How about we do this together? Hey, everybody. Welcome to How About We Do This Together, a podcast of the Northwest Christian Network. We are here on day four of the uh, Northwest Christian Convention, the 169th, and we are in the middle of the day after the workshop that from Julie White that was excellent. And we're just gonna we're gonna talk about the workshop some. We're also gonna talk about uh, her her expertise extends beyond just uh, clay applications. And so uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk more broadly. If you want to go deeper into the specific workshop that she did, you can see that on our website at mynwcc.org/endure. There's also four more pre-recorded workshops that will be a part of that. That will also be there for you to go into and look at. And uh, but this is going to be a conversation where we unpack some of that and also talk about um, other things that that. Um, that Julie uh, can teach us and, and that she does as part of her ministry. And so uh, my name's Matt Holmes. I'm from Turner Christian Church. And with me in the room are? Julie White. Um, and I am the executive director of The Unfolding Soul. I'm Troy Dean, campus pastor and a professor at Bushnell University in Eugene, Oregon. Can I start with a question um, a lot of people may be asking because I'm asking it. Because I'm also thinking it. Um, can you tell us more about just what the unfolding soul is? Oh, I'd be glad to. The unfolding soul has been an um, unfolding ministry, I suppose, in some ways. It, a lot of it has to do with impacting people's faith so that they can endure with the race, which really works well with the theme of the con uh, convention this year. And so I offer one-on-one -on -one conversations, small group, retreats, um, I speak at retreats, um, various things like that, to encourage people to hear what God might share with them, but also to experience what God has for them. That's a really big part of my ministry because we all can talk a great game but that doesn't mean that God is transforming us, that God is deepening our walk with him or that God is changing us. And so a lot of the ministry of the unfolding soul is coming alongside women who may be tired, weary, confused, um, or just lost somewhere in the journey and just say, how do we get back on track? How do we re-engage with God? How do we deepen that walk with Jesus? Um, how do we move forward in our life of faith and the kingdom? Tell me a little bit, you use the word unfolding. It's, it's not a word that's very often used. And I, I think it's got r deep richness to it. So why did you choose that particular descriptor for what you're working with people about? I think because that's been so much my own journey in my mm -hmm. own life of faith. You know, when I was a little girl, I think I had some prescribed ideas of how that life was going to work out. You know, and you go through a lot of experiences and think, well, this is how it's going to lead to this, and this is going to lead to this, and this will lead to this. And then all of a sudden, um, God props you, brings you perhaps to a crossroads, and you find that the journey you thought were on is not the journey you're actually going on. And so that is really an unfolding journey. And when I talk with other people or I listen to them as a spiritual director, often the issue is not that they don't know God. They often know something about him or they've had time with him, but he's 
pulling them in a direction they don't understand, they're resistant to, they're unsure how to walk that. And so it's at those moments sometimes that we struggle to let God unfold that journey. We want to unfold it. We want to control it. We want to direct it. And he is so much a God of adventure, a God of his spirit that works in powerful ways. And so when we step off sometimes on our own pathway and step on his, um, all sorts of adventures can arise. And that is an unfolding one for us all. And so that's why I chose the name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the specific workshop that you took us through today was um, using clay as a kind of a meditative physical. Um, what's the word? Representation. Tactile. It was a, it was a mm -hmm. physical tactile uh, experience and, and form of meditation. And, and I just had to say I had everything stacked against me to connect with this because I, I have, you know, I'm a pastor, so I've got the program in, right in the back of my mind of all the, the stressors that, uh, you know, things that I'm keeping track of at church, got a convention, and um, just other things. And then I'm also now, I, I'm always participating with the level of what are we going to talk about in the podcast? <laughs> totally. <laughs> and somehow this, I mean, I won't say I was completely uh, transported the entire time, but this, this exercise uh, broke through in some, some interesting ways that, that more talking wouldn't have been able to do. And it was partly because I realized that what I was doing to the um, clay with my hands felt like what was going, what was being done in my head, which was right. The point, but it, it was just, and it was, it was something that you could have said it a hundred times and it wouldn't have connected as well as it did through my I mean, anyone could have said it any way and it wouldn't have landed as well as it did when I was just pushing on this clay and then realizing that, that, that felt like where I was at and, and, um, yeah. And, 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 and I guess the big kind of connection that I made was clay is a process. And I too often see my, my struggle in this moment as a failure, like, Oh, the story's over. I've failed. I'm a failed human being, you know, and actually it's clay being worked on, um, which, you know, none of that is especially like original and, and huge, but, but it, it was just amazed me how this could break through with a very simple truth that I know in my head, but I need to learn in my gut. So thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. And I guess that was just, I just wanted to thank you for giving me that experience. Well, I'm, I'm glad it was, um, it spoke to you. It doesn't really matter whether it was profound to another other people or if it was some mm -hmm. big insight. For mm -hmm. you, it was the insight. It was God's way to speak to you in your circumstances where you find yourself right now in this moment today. Mm -hmm. And that is really what it's all about. It isn't always profound. I mean, I've done these kinds of sensory things quite a number of times. And, and some people, um, it is a profound experience in that moment. And for others, it's like, I'd forgotten that, or thank you for reminding me, God, or, oh, I see where I just have gotten off a little and I need to head this direction. I'd miss that. Mm -hmm. But part of what sensory things are all about is integrating body, soul, spirit, because we so often live with one of those and we don't integrate them well. Mm -hmm. So that's why you can ask someone how they're feeling and they might even say nothing 
Meanwhile, their gut is churning and they've had 400 <laughs> cups of coffee. Yeah. And you think, you know, there is something going on in there. Yeah, yeah. But we often are not really aware of that. It's really good. And we don't stop, we don't pause to consider those things and reflect on them. We work with words. Particularly as a pastor, you work with a lot of wonderful words, and a lot of it resides right in that beautiful head. But for the heart that is feeling things as you study those words and think about that particular audience, good or bad, as things are happening in your body, you're tired, you're strung out, you've had a fight at home, all those things are actually going on at the same time. And so we come to the scripture and say, okay, God, what am I saying today? But all this other stuff is rolling around in you. And the more words, as you said, don't always stop that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think so often we come back to that, be still and know that I am God. God's word could be a sunset. God's word can be a piece of clay. God uses his words in silence. And so often we're running too fast and miss that, and therefore we have trouble being shaped. We keep jumping off the potter's wheel. We don't <laughs> want to go in the oven yeah. because we are. We easily then take control over what's happening in our lives. And it's only that constant sort of connection, like I am in this mic cord here, that constant connection, that abiding body, soul, spirit that stops that running and slows us down and all of a sudden Clay can show us something. Clay, it's just clay. I bought it at a store. But God speaks in those things in ways we miss because we're so busy. I, I, it, this is probably a good place to kind of do some exploration because I think we've in, well, let's say it this way. Western Christian evangelical Protestant circles. Is that enough buzzwords for us, right? We've made our faith such a head thing. Right, we're doing theology checking all the time. We're arguing with each other about ideas or thoughts, or whether this is this thing in scripture means this or that or whatever else, or what you should be involved in that or not. And we're kind of this kind of idea overload or you know mm -hmm. thought overload. Yep. And Jesus so often did this because he's using metaphors, he's using parables, and and all these are they're really kind of disruptive techniques to get us out of our own head so that God has a chance to say something. And so you employed clay in a really beautiful way to do that. But there are, there are so many things that are like ancient practices of our faith. There's, we call them spiritual disciplines. I don't like spiritual disciplines because I'm not uh. disciplined with anything other than like constantly putting more food in my body than I should. I'm really disciplined at that. But at the end of the day, like we don't know what it means to have spiritual practices in our life. And Julie, I know, cause I know you, right. You've, you've, explored, you've participated, you've done practices in some of these things. Can you share with us a little bit about how that has actually helped you deepen your soul, connect, be aware of what God's up to? Because as a, as a spiritual director, it's not that you have some great knowledge that's like hiding from the world. It's that you've walked in this these practices, and those practices have shaped you. And so all we do is turn those and we offer them again to other people, right? It, I mean... Mm -hmm. Oh, ab absolutely. Spiritual practices are not so that I will live a holy life in the back 40 by myself. That is not what they're, that they're all about. 
They are to reshape and transform me so that my relationships, both this way and this way, that they change both horizontally and vertically, that both in my service to Christ and my love for Christ, that I am changed. And it is a dual combination. And so often we have made it one or the other. And that, of course, has caused some disintegration, even within Christendom, where you have people that want to spend all their time, let's meditate and reflect, which I love, but God calls us to service. Well, that was Jesus' walk on earth. He didn't just sit in a temple and talk to people about faith. He said, come on, let's go fishing. Let's walk by the lake. Let's get out in a boat. Some interesting things happened there. But those are all experience of life. There, life is to be experienced, like I said, in my workshop. And we so often say, let's just talk about those great ideas. But that doesn't mean anything happens. That just means we have ideas, which could be wonderful. But if we never put sort of feet to that, then they're just a bunch of words. And faith has lived and challenged our world because people moved. People were transformed. People had the power of God in them to change other people by sharing that gospel message, which is life. And when we just sit somewhere and talk about it, we miss a lot of people that are walking right outside the building that will never hear those words. And then we couch it additionally in in Christ-centered words, but they're so churchy that people don't even understand what we're talking about. And that makes it difficult. I realize that's a little off topic, but anyway, spiritual practices, I'm with you. Disciplines, I wish I was more disciplined in a whole lot of ways, but I like spiritual practices also because they are practices. Yeah, I'm trying it out. You're trying it out and experiment. And some spiritual practices are good for life. One spiritual practices is reading the Bible. I shouldn't do this in the fall season and I skip the spring season. (laughs) That's not what that spiritual practice is all about. We need God's living word active in us all times. So we need to be reading that on a daily basis, on a yearly basis, yearly, year after year. But there are other practices that sometimes for a season, perhaps they take priority. And then in other seasons, we lay those aside and other ones take priority in our lives. And that's a good th- that can be a good thing too. They are practices. And all they are about is tools to put you in a place to connect with God. That's all they are. So what, when we read the Bible, just reading words doesn't change us. But if we come to scripture as a spiritual practice and say, God, as I open my words, as I open your word today, and I'm starting James, the first chapter, I pray for open ears. What do you want to say to me today? The word's living and active. It isn't just written then. It is for today. Give me open eyes. Perhaps there's something you want to see. Is there a relationship that's awry that this will help me address? Mm-hmm. Is there part of my relationship with you where I've just been sort of saying, I think it's okay, God, you won't really pay attention to that. But then you really want to bring it to my attention because, yes, you do. Give me open eyes and ears to see what you have to say. And I'm a big believer, even in that spiritual practice, of not reading always big swaths of Scripture. But sometimes it'll be several weeks and I camp on a small section Ten verses is usually plenty to get me. Actually, two can do enough. (laughs) And you just read those over and over. God, what are you trying to show me today? How is that affecting not my just my relationship with you, but with my spouse, with my friends? Are my words being reshaped, or do I just keep spitting them out? Am I thinking about what I'm thinking 
versus just letting thoughts sort of rattle around in there that are really unimportant and have no value. And so I think it's not only using the spiritual practice, but it's the attitude in which you would come to that spiritual yeah, practice. Absolutely. That makes a big thing. Well, and, and it's hard for us oftentimes because we'll, we'll, you know, do things that we're doing, we pray more, read the Bible more, all those kind of things. And the crazy part about it is that it probably would help. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to bring a level of awareness, a level of, of depth or presence. And so what practices, I still think, I think that they teach by what I call, you know, abduction, right? Not deduction or in, mm -hmm. induction, but right. But it's abduction. They kind of sneak up behind you, tap you on the shoulder, and you're like, what was that? And then all of a sudden become aware, oh, there's other stuff going on. And if I'm, if I'm okay with being uncomfortable, because sometimes – you know, folks may not want to play at the clay because they're like, this is too painful. Like there's something going on in my life right now. And I, and I know that this is probably going to open it up and I don't want to go there. And so having a safe place and safe people to be able to go, okay, it's okay. And again, God is, you know, his spirit is safe. Yes. He's with us, not safe in the sense of like, not going to ask you to change or grow or go deeper. No. He's going to do that, but he's going to go with, with you through those things. And so uh, I know you just did some study on, you told me before that you spoke, what was some of the, the study you just did? Um, on well, practices? I did, I did the uh, Ignatian spiritual exercises, Okay. which is a nine month journey. Is that the one you're referring yeah. to? Yeah. Yes. Tell and us a little it, about that. It was quite an, in, I, I knew something about it. I had a book on it already. Um, and actually I do a lot of the things that he suggests already right. because of what I do. But what I found through the journey, because his was just, it, his was really a journal of his journey. These are the things I learned about God. These are some things I learned about Jesus and the journey. And as I asked myself these questions and pondered these scriptures, God showed me some things in my life. That's really what it's all about. And so I think that, like you said, one of the premises has to be, is God safe to hear it? Yeah. And we have to to acknowledge that or be willing to state that, um, recognizing that he created us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that he calls us and invites us into transformation. That's his offer. So when you step out and say, I'm going to be honest about that crud, that pain, you're taking him up on his offer. And you're saying, uh, okay, I'll lay this out. Will you handle it gently, lovingly? And I can say that all day, but with the people I serve on, I have to say, try it in something small for yourself. Yeah. Because you will not know from my words alone. You have to experience this because faith with God and you is that. Faith with God and me is this. They are not the same thing. Everybody has their own journey. So I think you start at that place, but also the challenge, and this is what I always encourage people in, in the moment, you may go down to the depths and you might fight some hard things and you may be in that oven longer than you think you can endure. But if you keep hanging onto God's hand, he will take you through that refiner's fire and you will come out on the other side more whole, more integrated, where body and soul and spirit operate more harmoniously together and you feel like God is in charge of your ship in the middle of those storms. The other way, it's sort of a 
pinch hit exactly who's in charge and the captain of the boat. Oh, yeah. But but the more you move in that direction, the more opportunity you realize that those spiritual practices are to just draw you away and encourage you that if life in the kingdom is your primary value, then you have to spend some time with the man, the God, the lover of our souls that guides, guards, and watches over and created that kingdom. And if you do not, then you can't, I mean, you cannot impart what you do not possess. If you do not do that in your own life, then how are you going to lead others to that? Because you're going to be leading them to wherever you are and whoever you are. Exactly. So there are great things from that if you keep going in that faith of endurance, which was the theme. Great. Um, I feel like there's something, from my own experience, something that our readers, our listeners may need to be prepared for if they want to go further in spiritual formation and, and spiritual, um, not just practices. Okay. That's good. And, 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 and I like to hear what you, if you think I'm right in this. Uh, I feel like in my own journey, I had to realize that when I opened up the spiritual practice toolbox for evangelicals and, and Christian churches, I opened it up and there was a hammer and, it was a, screwdriver. and a plier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a set of pliers, right? There's prayer <laughs> and there's Bible reading. We have as many spiritual disciplines as we have sacraments, right? Yes. There's just the two. <laughs> and, and the reality is if you want to get a wrench or a socket set or all these other things, you have to look broader in the Christian family, right? Because oh, yes. oh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but Ignatius was not part of the restoration movement. No, he was. Right? I mean, and, no, I don't believe so. And, and that, I know for me, that was actually something that I had to struggle with. And when I was in seminary, my professor told me, you're, you know, you moved away for two years, go to a church you wouldn't go to. So I went to an Episcopalian church. He said, go to this Episcopalian church. And I learned the value of kneeling like having a kneeler uh, yes. in the church and, and, and I, I mean, anybody, if I, if any of these things I suggest offend you, just ignore them, but like crossing yourself. Yeah. Right. Side of the cross. Um, doing different types of prayer beads, doing different types of prayer books, different styles of prayer. Cause we, we do prayer, but we always mean only the one kind of prayer. Right. And there's so many kinds Which of prayer. Usually is me asking for stuff. It's me yes, asking for stuff. It it's is. spontaneous. You know, it's, we yes. think rote prayer isn't real prayer, even though the Lord's prayer is a rote prayer. Yes. Um, yeah. If I can't throw some slang words in there about Jesus, then I don't feel like I'm being authentic. Yeah. Yes. And Jesus just mocking does everything. For those who are listening. Uh, and, and I feel like it, there is so, such a wealth over the last 2000 years of, of resources, of, of approaches that we miss out if we just look within our own little circle and it actually makes it easy for me to impress people when I talk about spiritual formation, because I don't come up with anything. I just happen to be reading books that are, that were, were weren't printed by college press and they have all these things that people have been talking right, about. Now we have to cut that out. Do we? No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I just have to, you know, and it's, it's been there for 2000 years. Yes. You know? And, and there's, it's so exciting to know how much there is out there. Um, Yes, and I don't want to talk too long on this, but all that to say that in my own unfolding journey, I was exposed to a variety of people from other um, parts of the Christian world. And I was intrigued and grasped from them that God is bigger than my little world and that God is in all things and that God meets us in the places that we most need to be met. 
And so for some people, it could be stations of the cross or crossing themselves. For other people, it could be kneeling. For other people, it could be walking on a path and they experience God in that moment. For other people, it may be demonstrating some sort of service to people and God in that place really meets them powerfully. And um, what you just said, I'm all over and what is my ministry about? It's about embracing with openness the journey that God has for us to learn about who he is and the variety of ways that he has touched and imprinted himself in our world and even in the kind of rituals and traditions that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and we lose sometimes from being um, narrowing our view to the place where we think we dictate only these ways we should talk with God. When God shows up in so many places, we wouldn't expect in amazing ways. And um, they are for our good, they are for his purposes, and I believe that they actually can give glory to them as we represent our unique selves to the God that loves us. Well said. Well said, both of you. It's, it's really good. I, I think maybe if you're listening along, maybe consider this, to listen and to hear from, to read folks who have been steeped in Christian practices and traditions and experiences throughout all the ages. And usually if they have like, like a name like St. John of the Cross, that means that probably it's old and it's probably good. Uh, <laughs> Catherine of Siena. I mean, you have yes. people and it, usually it's fun because they always put like where they're from. So like, I'd be like Troy of Fullerton, yeah. you know what I mean? That'd be yes. kind of the things. But I think that if you were willing to do that, and again, there's lots of resources that are out there today. Some of my best counselors are people who have written from other traditions mm-hmm. that have literally helped me see a new facet of the diamond, uh, a new way that the kaleidoscope turns and catches light, and all those things still lead me to Jesus. So, and and you also don't have to take it all or nothing, right? Like no. I have some, I have some prayer books that in, include prayers to Mary. I skip over them because I personally don't pray to Mary, but there is good stuff in there. Just like I assume there's good stuff somewhere between all my errors. Right. So I hope yes. that somewhere I say something good. I know I say things that are wrong and we can value what other people say and we don't have to take it all. And I've had that tendency myself to say, oh, no, they said this thing I don't agree with. I don't need that book or I don't need that practice. And no, you don't have to do all or nothing. Yeah. I mean, we I, we regularly, at least on our campus, uh, Ash Wednesday, we do practices mm-hmm. that are part of the Catholic tradition and mm-hmm. we do imposition of the ashes. And mm-hmm. I this year we actually did a shared service with the Catholic priest that's over at the University of Oregon on campus with a lot of our Catholic students. Uh, and again, it, it, very open, very honest about this. Like, this is what our tradition allows us to do and doesn't allow us to do. Here's where we're going to go with each other. Here's where we can't go with each other because mm-hmm. of certain deeply held beliefs. But there's none, there's no rejection in that. There's just a commitment and a conviction to certain things. And then during Holy Week, we regularly do some form of a Stations of the Cross. It's not mm-hmm. exactly the same as a tradition of a Roman Catholic Church. But we still do something that invites us to consider the walk, the Via Dolorosa, the, the suffering, the passion of Christ during this week. And so that's visceral for people to walk through and experience those kind of things. And for those of you who are listening, uh, yeah, there's probably a station in there that most Protestants and evangelicals don't agree with because it's kind of extra biblical to our particular text, but it's in the Apocrypha or in tradition of the church. That's okay. 
we're not trying to force something. We're trying to invite ourselves into something deeper. And Julie, you did that today in your, in your workshop so very well. well. Thank you. I was just going to say one other thing about it. Um, I know that some things are very unfamiliar for people, and it can make you, us feel uncomfortable and yeah. awkward, and I don't understand that. But I think that so often if we just take a minute and say, God, do you have something to say in that? You'll guilt, I mean, God's spirit resides within us, and we can easily make those choices as we come to him and ask, using our minds and our hearts and God's spirit within us to figure out those things, but also see what you're talking about. And that's why some of these things are so helpful for us as Christian believers, whatever our perspective and how we, um, whatever kind of church we're in. The Stations of the Cross, any of these things, what do they do for us as people? They connect and integrate what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're feeling to help us gain a clearer and deeper grasp of who Christ is. And I mean, the clay is nothing like the Stations of the Cross, but sometimes we say, God, you can only work in these ways. Mm -hmm. And if we pause for a moment, we say, God, if I stop, what, when I do this, what's happening in my head? Is there something stirring in my heart? It's a moment to stop before we run and to say, God, you have something to say. And that's a lot of what spiritual practices are about or Stations of the Cross, anything. Do you have something to say? Because if you're living and acting in our lives today, then you might have something to share with me if I stop to hear. Amen. That's great. You know? I just want to throw in one more part of our pitch for spiritual disciplines. <laughs> Amen. For people who are listening and wondering, because this may seem like we're going old and dusty and the wrong way to be relevant for younger generations. Mm -hmm. And I thought of it when you were talking about doing that at the college. Yep. Statistically, yes. what, the, what the surveys have shown is that the younger generations are the most interested and the most uh -huh. hungering for spiritual formation, for embodied worship, for these practices. They're the ones who want to go to them. So this is not a going back to the old ways, like really, really old ways and dusty stuff. This is, people are hungering for this. They're recognizing, kids are recognizing this. And I think we need to, I mean, if they're hungering for something spiritual and godly, that's got to be compelling to us. Well, Absolutely. It, it, it's what Julie's saying. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we've all on some level felt the mismatch of the detached lives that we live. Yes. And, and again, so we'll, 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 maybe this could be our kind of our, our capstone and our benediction right here. The word shalom. Mm hmm it doesn't mean, it means peace of the way we translate it into English language, but it doesn't mean peace like without conflict. It means wholeness, harmony. It means the broken pieces of our life, finding unity and restoration in Christ. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, peace that we actually experience and feel, and it does, it integrates our hearts, our mind, our emotions, our, our bodies, everything. And that's what we're all longing for is a shalom peace of God. And so when we do these things, that's the hopeful outcome. And at all the time, you just kind of feel like, okay, God, you're putting me back together again. God, you're putting me back together again. You're putting me back together again. Because I keep pulling it apart into pieces. And the world keeps pulling it and tearing at it at us. And so that's what this is all about. And it ultimately means that we're going to do that together. See where I went there with that? Yes. So we're going to try to do our closing uh, with our guest, Julie, in the room. And so we're going to say the name of the podcast on the count of three. And I will count this time. One, two, three. How, How about we do, do this together? together? <laughs> Thank Perfect. you, Julie.
Hey, thanks for listening today. We genuinely thank you for your time. Just pray that you would actually find ways to collaborate with others for kingdom things. How about we do this together?